The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We got all the morning stuff out of the way. Let's do a podcast, huh? It's Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. Hello. Howdy. Good day to you all. It's Thursday. It's December the 3rd. The Brewski 150 is in the Fantasy Pass today. That's a pretty big deal here at Hoopball. Brewski updating the B150 with all the mayhem of the last 7 to 10 days or so. So that's in there now. Fantasy Pass is just $4.99 a month. $4.99 a month. You can sign up at hoop-ball.com. Click on the Fantasy Pass advertisement graphic. It's right below the main media wall. Again, the Fantasy Pass. It's got the Brewski 150 in it now, today. It's in there. It also has the draft guide in its entirety and all draft guide articles that continue to come out, including punt strategies, dynasty ranks. They'll have projections. Actually, those are in there already. Uh, you got sleepers. That's coming out in a week or two, I think. It'll be before the season. I know that. Uh, it's also got the DFS pass. That'll be firing up here at preseason time. It also has all of our in-season tools. Many of them new for this year. So check it out. The Fantasy Pass, four ninety nine a month at hoop-ball.com. Hello again, everybody. I am Dan Bespris. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris or just Google search Dan from Hoopball. That seems to be working relatively well these days. Thank you to everybody that's been joining us lately. We are having some of our largest download days in podcast history, and I know that just that tends to ramp up even more as we approach season start. We're still... Not quite three weeks away, almost three weeks away. Uh, So a pleasure to have you guys here. If you're new, welcome. If you're old, awesome. We love you. Welcome back to those of you that sort of set us aside during the very long fantasy offseason. And if you have a moment, if you've been enjoying the podcast, please do drop a five-star review on the show over on iTunes or the podcast app on your mobile device if you're having trouble figuring out how to do it. More than happy to help walk you through Again, you can hit me up on Twitter at Dan Vespers or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. As I've done the last couple of days quickly here at the front end of the show, before we go diving back into the ADPs, uh, we got to 85 yesterday, I believe, so that's pretty good. Uh, We'll be doing that here in about 90 seconds. But again, we are now really starting to run out of spots in our hoopball leagues. The, uh, The wonderful Andre has been providing me with updates. We're now basically, in all the leagues, I think except one, We're in filling in spots that people asked for but didn't actually take. So if you asked for a link and then didn't use it, you're going to get punted here at this point because the draft is coming up in four days. It's a slow draft, by the way. Don't worry. It's not everybody's like, ah, it's Monday morning. I'm like, yeah, it's Monday morning is when it starts, but it'll probably end like the following Wednesday. It's four hours a pick in those hoop ball leagues. We got Roto free leagues, a couple spots in there. Roto Cash Leagues, again, just a couple spots left. I believe the head-to-head free leagues are all full at this point. So if a bunch of you wanted to get in those, we'll start a wait list. And then, you know, if you hit 8, 9, 10 or whatever, we'll open up another one. And head-to-head Cash Leagues, which is the uh, far and away the biggest interest league of anything this year, those have just a handful of spots that were open because we're now officially punting folks that asked for a spot and didn't take it. 
Got it? Good. Hit me up. Dan Vespers on Twitter, Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com. And as I mentioned yesterday, we are recruiting here at Hoopball. If you want to be a blurb writer, fantasy writer, fantasy podcaster, team coverage, do a team coverage podcast, want to write about teams, you want to be in our DFS division, our gambling division, our sales division, you name it, we are looking for the best and the brightest. The sales division, of course, is uh, where you can earn a little bit of coin. The other stuff, contributor position. So thank you for those that have submitted already. Let's get into it, though. I don't want to take too much time here. I know, you know, this is a time of year where we have things to talk about. I hear your feedback. I try to get into the uh, the stuff as quick as I can. This is just a time of year where there's a few things to discuss at the front end of the show. So, yesterday, we continue our ADP discussion. I think I'd like to try to finish that up today, although, I, you know, I guess we'll see how far we get. Tomorrow, likely to be joined for a partial segment from the great Aaron Bruski, our founder here at HoopBall. He'll be talking a bit about the Bruski 150, kind of his methodology, how the, the hours that get poured into it, and sort of how the sausage is made. Um, not going to give out the Bruski 150 on air, because that, of course, is paid content over at HoopBall. But we'll talk to Brew, and we'll see if we can, uh, maybe we can squeeze something out of him. We'll, we'll trick him into uh, to giving something away on the pod. So that's coming up tomorrow, starting next week. We'll be getting to, uh, to talk about mock draft results. Many of you checked out our video mock draft. If you didn't see that over at youtube.com slash C slash hoopball, that's our channel. Uh, looks like many of you did, but if you didn't, check that out. We did a mock draft uh, on Tuesday with 12 industry pros. It was a lot of fun. We did it live on video. There's a, a, a big board from the guys at FJ Fantasy. It's, uh, it was a lot of fun. And we'll now talk to all of those guys about those draft results, we'll we'll get those to you here on the podcast. Kind of break things down, what they like, what they didn't like, all of that good stuff. So that's all uh, that's all coming up here in the in the very near future. Well, before we dive into the ADP, obviously one thing we need to talk about: there was a blockbuster trade in the NBA yesterday, which we joked about on this podcast a month ago, before there were any rumors about it. We heard that Russell Westbrook wanted out of Houston, and I said, well, there's one guy in the NBA where they could just flip him. One guy who has an equally goofball contract, just trade teams. Screw it, like a handshake deal. Just meet in a park, you trade jerseys, you keep on going. That guy was John Wall, and that trade happened. I thought it was all a joke. I thought the NBA was in on the joke, because like two weeks ago, they were like, oh, Wall for Westbrook has been discussed. Well, Washington threw in a protected first-round pick, to get out from under John Wall's contract, and now they're under Russell Westbrook's. That said, this is, by all accounts, a good trade for Washington. Not great. Good. They got a little bit better. They got better. They're not a championship team. They are probably a playoff team. I mean, having Westbrook, as we've seen before, he has that ceiling and that floor, and with another really good player beside him here in Bradley Beal and a couple of interesting pieces around them, in the Eastern Conference, they become a pretty good team. Uh, over on the other side, I don't, I don't know what the hell's going on in Houston. This is my one thought on the Houston side. First, if you're John Wall, you had to know that there were only like two places you could possibly go in the NBA, and this was one of them. So hopefully, Wall had mentally prepared himself for the idea of playing with James Harden. And everybody's going to say the right things. And on the Harden side... Maybe there's just a newness to it. 
It's a newness. You have a traditional big man. You have two traditional big men on that Rockets team. Now, you've abandoned ultra-small ball. Uh, Chris Paul didn't work out because he was annoyed at how things were going, and Westbrook didn't work out because he and Harden both were guys that just had to have the ball all the time. Wall feels like that kind of guy, but we've heard he's taken more three-pointers, so maybe he plays off the ball a little bit more. Maybe they stagger Wall and Harden a bit more than they have in the past. I think you kind of have to. Um, but does this convince Harden to stick around? Everybody, this is where I think there's a disconnect between those of us who analyze basketball and those that are in the locker rooms. I think if you went down there and you were like, does this make you want to stay more? Harden would probably say yes. And for all of us, we're like, why? You guys just got worse. Not markedly, but... You got worse. This is a this is a slight downgrade. Russell Westbrook is better than John Wall. There's just I don't think there's any I don't think there's really any arguing with that, especially at this point in their careers where Westbrook trending down, yeah, athleticism not quite what it was, but dude, John Wall hasn't played in two damn years almost. Remember he showed up looking just big old puffy, blew his knees out beginning not this way back when. Played a what, month and a half, two months before it all happened? We could see it coming. But there's just something different. A shakeup. A shakeup. Guys hate stagnating. One of, I think, Harden's big issues, I mean, I'm sure there's a, a Tillman Fertitta thing going on here, but one of the big issues there is stagnation. Trying things, trying new stuff has been the way to sort of keep it fresh around him. And this is very new and very fresh. So at least you can make the pitch now to Harden. Hey, look, we got your boogie. We got your Christian Wood. Yeah, we got, had to get rid of Rob Covington in the process, but... We got rid of Westbrook. We got a guy who supposedly can space the floor a little bit more. Um, he's still a, a, a point guard. So I don't, you know, I don't know how you create that sales pitch to make it convincing. But these guys are all just excited to play with somebody else. John Wall's excited to get out of Washington, and Boogie's excited to be back, and Christian Wood is excited to have some run. And so Harden comes into this locker room now with a bunch of guys that are just kind of excited to be there, which I don't know if you could say about, about the Rockets last year. Seemed like you could for a while, and then they just got undressed in the playoffs, and that seemed to change things pretty quick. Fantasy-wise, um, you know, anybody playing alongside James Harden is going to take a hit. It's just the way it is. John Wall was set to play next to Bradley Beal, who is a very high-usage player, but he's not James Harden. Harden has the ball every damn possession and doesn't do anything when, he's not, when he doesn't have the ball. So it's not like you can utilize him to make you better outside of just the gravity he pulled by, by standing someplace. So John Walls, whatever numbers you thought he was going to get this year, they're going to be lower. Doesn't really impact Boogie or Wood or, frankly, Harden all that much. I mean, James Harden, maybe he gets a little bit better. I know we're all still afraid he gets moved to Brooklyn or Philly or something like that, but he probably has to do more alongside Wall versus Westbrook. Although, I'll say this, if you're saying James Harden has to do more, understand as well that Wood and Boogie are higher usage big men than, than Harden's played within forever, ever, for certainly a long time. Um, so those guys are going to take some of what was kind of uh, left hanging around here as well. I think the Washington side is probably the more interesting side of this trade because Westbrook goes back to Scott Brooks. They're reunited. They know each other. Brooks knows how to use Westbrook. And so he's probably going to go right back into a spot where he can eat a little bit. They have to make sure Washington's main goal, and I got to think Scott Brooks knows this because 
He's been around long enough. He's not a fantastic coach. He did really well with the pieces he had in Washington last year, but I, I got to think he's smart enough to know that from a mental standpoint, the first thing he has to do is establish that Bradley Beal is still in charge of the team. Even if it changes over the course of the year, and Westbrook, I think, needs to know this too. You don't go into that organization and act like you're the guy when there's a dude that's been there toiling for a while. So they have to make sure that Beal knows he's in charge, even though both he and Westbrook are going to get a crap ton of usage, and over the course of the year, Westbrook is probably going to end up getting more. This helps Westbrook. His numbers alongside Harden were actually pretty good. They're going to go up. He'll do more in Washington than he was going to do in Houston. Beal's numbers will likely go down. Wall coming back was already going to put a pretty big dent into him. I thought Beal was actually going a little bit too early this year um, with Wall coming back. And now, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll pull back a little bit further than that. Among the other guys, like, think about the other dudes on Washington. Is there a big difference there? Probably not. Um, Westbrook impacts the rebounding of other guards, wings, and big men because he does like to grab and go. So that probably hurts Rui Hachimura, Thomas Bryant a little bit. Um, otherwise, you know, like John Wall, he's a guy that would expect to make a pass and then see somebody go take it to the rim or take a shot. So I don't think it changes things all that much from that perspective. The crazy thing about all of this and I, I said on Twitter I thought this might devolve into a rant of some kind, and it hasn't really to this point, because there's there's a beauty to the the there's a beauty to the stupidity of all this stuff, which is both guys just needed to go someplace else. Westbrook gets reunited with an old coach, it makes a ton of sense there. Washington makes a move. They were they were stuck. They're still stuck, but they're stuck a tiny bit better, and that'll be fun. I think, for a fan base that suffered through a pretty ugly season. They'll make the playoffs, I would venture to say, venture to guess this year. And then for Houston, this is the pitch. They're, they're going to continue to pitch. They're hamstrung by the amount of money they have tied up in these types of guys, but they're just like, look, we're like, we got to do something. So here we go, John Wall, whatever. They got to protect it first out of the deal. Maybe that turns into something down the line. Probably not, but maybe who knows? I think it has to vest by like 2026 or something like that. And everything just gets a little bit weirder going into the NBA season. But that's the big trade. That's the crazy stuff uh, from Wednesday evening. Um, just learned, by the way, Anthony Davis signed his five-year deal overnight. Didn't see it in the wee hours of the morning. Woj tweeting at 4.40 a.m. What are you doing, Woj? Take a rest, man. It's not free agency. It's not the not the draft. It's not the trade deadline. Get it. Take a rest. But uh, AD, five years with a, uh, looks like an opt-out after the fourth. So, wow, big stuff going on. NBA doesn't sleep, does it? Well, anyway, let's talk about ADP stuff. Let's start at um, pick number 86. Although, you know, as we've been doing here, guys tend to, to shuffle around a little bit on the board. And so we have to be somewhat cautious. I think we got as far... Ah, crud. I really should mark this down. I know we did Devontae Graham, Karis LeVert. I think that... Did we do Wendell Carter Jr. yesterday or not? Well, regardless. That's where we'll start today. If, if I'm rehashing it, you'll have to pardon me. I have, you know, sleep deprivation brain kids that wake up early and go to bed too late. Great parenting over here, by the way. Uh, and so that's where we'll kick things off today. Well, now, I mean, I just feel a little bit dumb. Anyway, did we? T if we didn't do Wendell Carter Jr., that's great. If we did... Um, then we'll, we'll just do it again. I'm going to count backwards here and see, I don't think we did him, right? We didn't talk about 
Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, I think he's going to have a pretty good year this year. He's, uh, he's number 86 on the board here in terms of where he's going, and I think that's relatively accurate. You know, he there's... There's a little bit of upside with him. He was at 116 last year in 29 minutes a game. There's a little bit of upside there because the .8 steals, the .8 blocks feel like something that could trend up for a Chicago big man. It, you know, it didn't, it didn't really line up, right? Like his rookie season, he played 25 minutes a game. He was at .6 and 1.3. Those, not only did the pace slow, but the, the total slowed between those two things. So I got to think the blocks trend back up over one a game, right? They have to. Uh, percentages were down last year in free throw and up in field goal. It, it seems like he's going to be you know, around 50%, maybe a little bit better, depending on whether or not the Bulls can get uh, some better offense going. The rebounding, I think you can probably pencil him in at around 9 to 10. Scoring, I would hope, trends up a little bit. But the big thing for Wendell Carter Jr. is can that 1.6 combined steals and blocks, does that trend back up towards 2? And it should, right? 1.3 in 25 minutes and then down to 0.8 blocks in 29 minutes doesn't really make sense unless we assume that he just wasn't really ever truly healthy last year. You know, he, he missed a bunch of time between January and February. He played the last six games of the season after a layoff and only had three blocks in those games, but that wasn't even that much lower than what he was doing beforehand. The rebounding was was low. His minutes were being held in check at that point. He seems like a guy now that they want to get over 30 minutes a game, and so there's, there's an upward mobility for him. I was hoping he'd go later, considering he was outside the top 100 last year. I was hoping he might slide towards that 100 mark, 86, as we've talked about before, is a spot where you can start to do some grabbing. And he's probably a guy worth grabbing somewhere near here. But at the same time, uh, a lot of his value does get pushed out of the way by the fact that he's not going near 100. Especially when you hear some of the other names that I'm about to rattle off. So let's keep going. Otto Porter Jr. at 87. Another guy that I'm actually kind of surprised is went as early as he did. He was atrocious last year. He's 137 in 14 games. He was also not even remotely close to healthy, but where and we're in Chicago Bulls land in in ADPs at the moment where we've uh the, the sort of the difference between Porter there's a couple differences between Porter and Wendell Carter Jr. Number 1, uh Wendell Carter Jr. is going to play more minutes and he's going to be healthier than Otto this year. But one thing we do know about Porter is that if he's in a, a decent offensive scheme and can actually get some usage and, and go to work, he has more upside. So, you know, as you're grabbing these guys now, we're, we're in the eighth round of our draft. You're hunting guys that you think not only have a really good chance of getting to their ADP or beating it, but also have a chance to really beat it. You know, this is where you start to look to guys, okay, can I find someone who actually beats his ADP by 20, 30 slots, as opposed to just narrowly narrowly stepping over the bar, which is what we're trying to do in the first, second, third rounds, basically. We're trying to find guys that can just sort of step over the bar. But as you get to the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth rounds, now we're starting to look to guys that can bound over the bar. And Porter at least has a shot. He has a shot to bound over the bar. I don't trust his health. I think he'll be a tougher guy to have in head-to-head. You'll, you'll see rest days. You'll see, you know, they'll try to keep his minutes in check. If there's a blowout, he's going to get yanked first, that kind of stuff. But he's also a big part of what they're doing because he's good defensively. He's a floor spacer with good percentages throughout his career. Those things are useful on a team that needs 
some efficiency. Most of the guys are not super efficient on that team. Montrez Harrell is number 88 on the board, and, you know, that's fine. I'm Yeah, I'm not a big Montrez guy. Uh, he was 98 last year with the Clippers. Massive free throw drag was sort of the big thing pulling him down. He's going to see a bunch of time with the Lakers this year. They're, they're going to want to run him out there. Lakers are going to need pop from their bench unit while LeBron and AD are kind of coasting through the regular season. So that'll be a lot of Montrez, a lot of Schroeder. But at the same time, I don't know how he gets quite the same usage as he got with the Clippers last year. I mean, the way that you look at it, you're like, okay, well, the Clippers had Kawhi, Paul George, Montrez, and Lou Williams were sort of that third group. And and it's similar with the Lakers, who have two top stars, and then Montrez and Schroeder are kind of part of that third group. I just, I don't know. If 98 is really where this thing is maxing out, that's... That's tough. I, you know, I don't know how he goes much higher than that. Not while he's crushing free throw numbers. Not a big Montrez guy. Same with the dude behind him here, Julius Randle, who, by the way, in his defense, I, I, I clobbered Randle on this podcast all of last season. He was actually quite a bit better the second half of the year, and so I need to give... It would be disingenuous, I think, for me to come on this podcast and just tell you that he was dog poopy the entire season. If you start from, I don't know, we'll say arbitrarily mid-January and go to the end of the pre-bubble, well, it doesn't matter. Knicks weren't in the bubble anyway. Uh, Randall was trending up. He, his percentages got better. He was at 21 and 11 over that last roughly 30 games of the season with a steal and half a block, 47.5% from the field, 78 at the free throw line, which wasn't quite the same drag. It only put him at top 93 but if he sustained that mark for an entire season, that's really more of like a top 80, top 75 type of clip. So it's not horrible to draft him here if you assume that he can do something like he did the second half last year, which wasn't blowing anybody away. You know, Alfred Payton was doing most of the orchestrating, which was useful for the Knicks when he was on the floor setting guys up, as opposed to just giving it to Randall and getting everybody out of the way. His his field goal percent was suffering uh, his turnovers were suffering. There was a lot that wasn't good early last year in New York. I mean, well, all of last year in New York, but particularly early with Randall, who showed signs of life later. I don't know if I can draft him even around 90, where he could actually beat this number. He, re- he really could, even, even in 9-cat, where the turnovers are going to hurt him. And it's hard to find a ton of scoring and uh, and rebounding relatively late in the draft. Um but he left such an awful taste in my mouth. It, it's so hard. You have to... This feels like a good time to give that lesson that I'm having trouble practicing myself. Practice what you preach, Dan. Don't hold grudges in fantasy. Always look for value. Julius Randle was going near 60 last year. He's going near 90 this season. That's that's a possibility at value. Not saying it's guaranteed, because, again, he finished at 93 in that second half of the season... But wait, let's dig a little bit deeper. What about totals over that stretch? Not super helpful because we're only looking at part of a season and everybody was playing at about the same clip. He was in the 80s. Let's go and let's look at the full season pre-bubble because I don't want other guys getting that extra games bonus over Randall. Where does Julius fall if you look at the full pre-bubble season? Well, he's actually number 91 despite being uh, well outside the top 100 by averages. He was durable. 
let's say he puts up those, you know, top 85, top 90 numbers and plays in most of the Knicks' 72 games, that does make him more like a top 70 kind of guy. So there's a pretty... Think about it from this perspective. Randall was terrible last year, right? Can we all agree on that? His terrible season last year put him at 91 in pre-bubble totals, which we've talked about this before. In Roto, that's not that great, actually, to have a top 120 guy that just plays every single game. I would rather... I have a top 75 guy who misses 15 games and then fill in the other 15 games with someone in the top 120 because you put that all together and it's better than just getting a full season of top 120. But by totals, Randall was number 91 last year. So he actually hit this season's ADP by totals, roughly. What did I just say? He's 88, 89, 88. Tyler Hero is uh, number 89. Am I getting that right? I may have... I may have fallen off of six, seven, eight. Nine. No, Julius Randle was 89. So Tyler Hero is number 90. Um, and he'll have a pretty good season, I think. There are some holes in his fantasy game. He wasn't last year um, really in the discussion, mostly because Kendrick Nunn was seeing a ton of playing time. But also, Harrow just wasn't good during the regular season. Whatever he did was in the bubble. Um, and he'll continue to get more. He has, he has a really interesting real life game like you, you watch him play there's an explosiveness to it there's a confidence to it there's an inefficiency to it which sort of gets written off when guys are just doing cool stuff but like his postseason for instance 20 games 16 and a half points five boards four assists no defensive stats none just squat 0.4 steals 0.1 blocks if that's really who he is and and you know it's a rookie season so things can change but the indicators from his rookie year is that he's not a big steals and blocks guy and I don't know that that's something that's just going to magically fix itself overnight it's hard to put up a shooting guard style line which is low field goal percent decent threes decent free throws meh rebounds eh, assists you know, like those are fine decent scoring and then just no defensive stats He's going to have a rough time pushing that into top 100 discussion. Now, don't get me wrong. He's he's going to have uh, more to do this season than last year. But I, t- he's, to me, one of the most overdrafted guys in, in the draft. He's turning into that buzz guy. He's turning into that buzz guy. That's where I'm at with this one. Uh, so that was number 90. Number 91 is Thomas Bryant. Um, this is a safe one, I think. Thomas Bryant is a safe one. Uh, he'll probably... And now he's playing with Russell Westbrook, which changed things a little bit in Washington, which is going to pull some rebounds away from him. Um, that's not great. But he's efficient. He's a big man who can his free throws and his jumpers. He'll mix in a three ball every once in a blue moon. He's not much for the defensive side of the basketball. I mean, he, he tries, but he's not great at it. Uh... Thomas Bryant's like a poor man's Jonas Valanciunas, right? Good field goal percent, fine free throw percent. Not great, but, you know, big man, not going to kill you. Not a ton of defensive stuff. Eh, little, maybe a little over a block per 36, 1.3, 1.4, something like that, if you if you extrapolate it. Valanciunas is a better rebounder. Uh, Bryant, a little bit more athletic. It balances out. But from a stats standpoint... Thomas Bryant last year played 24 minutes a game. He averaged 12 and 7. 
with 0.4 steals and 0.9 blocks. Let's scroll up the board to JV, who played 26 minutes a game last year, which, by the way, not that much more, was at 15 and 11 with 0.4 steals and 1.1 blocks. That didn't sound like that big of a difference, right? Mostly in the rebounding department. That's the big change between those two guys. Because Bryant, if you get him 26 minutes, he'll match JV in scoring. If you give him 26 minutes, he's probably not going to match him rebounding, especially now not with uh, with Westbrook around. So Bryant, add a few minutes to his ledger this year. Put him alongside Westbrook. You add a few points, probably get him into that 14 to 15 range. Call it 14. Uh, rebounds, I think you can bump those up from 7 to probably 8, 8.5. And, and then steals and blocks probably puts him almost right in line with JV. So take Valanchunas, pull about 2.5 rebounds away, and what do you have? A guy that was 47 and probably drops towards, I don't know, 65, 75 range. So Thomas Bryant, very safe. It would be very hard for me to see him not beat an ADP in the 90s, but he's probably also not going to blow everybody away. You know, he's not going to be a top 45, top 40 kind of guy. So if you're hunting upside, maybe not the way to go, but if you need a center at this point who's not going to obliterate any particular stat on your team, cool. I like him. He may need a safe play. He, he fits the Dan Vespers mold of gauge whether or not you took a shot. Let's say you took Otto Porter in the previous round. I mean, he could completely flame out. Thomas Bryant would be a really nice follow-up play to say, oh, I got to get, get someone in this, you know, seventh, eighth round range that I know is just going to, I can plug him in and things are just going to be fine. Meanwhile, Marcus Smart at 92, I, I just, I have no words for what the hell he's doing down here. Marcus Smart was 59 last year and by all accounts, his role is getting bigger because Kemba's hurt again, and Gordon Hayward's gone. Why wouldn't Marcus Smart play at least the 32 minutes he hit last year? And why wouldn't he basically just get the same role he had last year? Like, Marcus Smart, you can you can pretty much just pen him in. Etch it in stone. He's probably going to do exactly what he did last year, and if he gets better at anything, well, that's just swell. I'd be happy taking him around sooner, frankly, just to make sure that someone else doesn't scoop up this great value. Need steals, need threes, need a smattering of assists. He's gotten pretty good at the free throw line. I get it. Again, he's not going to be a top 35, top 40 guy. He's going to be in that 50 to 80 range, but he's going to beat this number. Uh, Obi Toppin at 93. You know how I feel about rookies, although I've heard good things. (laughs) He's actually probably could be a rookie that isn't, awful right like we the the few that we consider on this show uh tend to be guys that are are towards the front court but yeah no 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 uh brooke lopez is 94 and that's a massive value Uh, again this same kind of thing like this by the way this this brings me to uh another point worth making here which is people ask me sometimes hey what do I do about my team build like do I need to come out of the first two or three rounds with a center and the answer is yeah it's nice to do so but think about the names I've just rattled off to you Thomas Bryant still there I mean in the 90s here on Yahoo Thomas Bryant Brooke Lopez in the 90s here on Yahoo and I'm not done with this with this chunk of 10 Brooke Lopez by the way last year was was excellent he is, however, trending down. 
I don't think there's any way around that. Uh, his minutes ramped up in the postseason. They try to keep his regular season in check. He'll probably be in the 26-minute range. He's um, no, he's not that far off from his career marks in in almost every anything he did last season, and still was good. Uh, blocks were up, which I guess you could look at that as something. But he's a great shot blocker. That's that's it. His steals were up a little in only 26 minutes. That maybe that comes down a hair. But who cares? He was 58 last year. Even if there's a step back, he just demolishes an ADP in the 90s. Brandon Clark at 95. That's another fun one. Clark, uh, with Jaron Jackson Jr. out to start the year, should be able to get off to a pretty quick start. He was number 79 last year, playing just 20, uh, 21.7 minutes per game. Uh, ratchet that up to, I would think, at least 23. Give him an extra minute and a half, maybe two at the very least. And he's um, probably top 75 with a hair of upside above that. So another great center you can get in the 90s. Anthony Edwards at 96, I will kindly pass. Al Horford at 97, another center you can get in the 90s. It's crazy. Uh, you, I mean, I, you know, you can't bank on getting one of these guys because you don't know precisely what order they're going to go in, but it's where they're generally going right now. Horford was number 64 last year in what most folks would consider a terrible season. He slides back over to play more center in Oklahoma City as a veteran that's going to need to wrangle the kids and is probably going to get sick of losing. What I will say is that because everybody's like, new Chris Paul, I'm like, yeah, but. So let's do the yeah, but on Al Horford, who, by the way, I really like in the 90s, happily taking him here. I don't want to give you the impression that I that I don't like Horford's position in the 90s. Um, what I don't like is that last year the Thunder had too many contracts to tank, meaning Steven Adams was still there, Gallo was still there, Schroeder was there, Shea, who's the young guy. So when Chris Paul came in, when they made the trade and everybody's like, tank time, I was like, well... Like, they, they were too good to tank. Even if even if Chris Paul missed half the year, they still would have bungled into a handful of wins because they had a lot of decent players on that team. This year, they've blown it up. It's Horford, Shea, and, you know, a chicken coop filled with dudes we don't know about. Those guys, by the way, are interesting as super late guys, but we're not at that point yet on this, uh, on this trek through the podcast. We'll get to that. Fear not. Uh, the difference this year is they're awful. So where last season, the the talk with CP3, Sam Presti, I'm sure, sat down with him and was like, and Billy Donovan too at the time, they're like, look, Chris, like we want to get you out of here. We're going into a rebuild, but we can't move you off the season that you had in Houston and your giant contract. There's too much left on your contract. People don't think you're good anymore. Go out there, prove to folks you're good and durable because that was an issue. Folks were concerned his hamstrings were always locking up in Houston. Go fo- show folks that you are that you can play through a full season healthy and do it well, and we'll get you someplace cool. Fast forward, Chris Paul now a member of the Phoenix Suns, a team on the upswing, trying to make the playoffs, floor leader, all that good stuff. As you look at Horford, unfortunately, who, again, I want to tell you guys, I still like him in the 90s, because this is crazy late, but if you were thinking... Could this be like the next Chris Paul where you draft a guy so late? And with Paul, you know, late third, early fourth round last year, we've talked about how important, what a big jump that is. 
In fact, where Chris Paul was going last year, which was around number 38 or 40, the jump from where he went at 38 or 40 to even on a per game, forget totals, how durable he was, where he finished was about two full rounds. He was he was right near the turn. But that difference was, uh, you know, the same as going from 40... Uh, if you're going from 40 to Chris Paul, where he was at, it's the same as going from 40 to uh, about 80, roughly, something in that neck of the woods. So again, bigger gap on the, the backside. And then by totals, since he was trying to show durability, Chris Paul was number seven. So the difference between number 40 and number seven by totals is the same as number 40. Let me make sure I'm doing this math right here. Number 40 last year, by the way, by totals was recently mentioned Brooke Lopez. The difference there was about uh, 42% over an average player. So let's go from Brooke Lopez down, and that would take you to 140. So, yeah, like you drafted a guy. It'd be like if you took a guy at 140, he ended up at 40. We took a guy at 40, he ended up at 7. That's That was Chris Paul last year. Al Horford is not going to be that guy this year where, you know, you're taking him in the 90s or 100, he's not going to blow away the number. And and that same jump, by the way, if you took a guy at 100 and did the same add to this year, that would be number 22. That would be a 100 to 22 jump this year. Why do I not think that's going to happen? Well, he doesn't need to show that he's durable. That's one of the big keys to why we loved the Chris Paul situation last year. The knock on Chris Paul wasn't that he was bad. It was that he was fading, but also that he couldn't stay healthy enough to help a contending team. With Horford, you know, he was fine. (laughs) He, He played in 60 games last year. He was actually number 43 by totals last season. Lest we forget, you know, some good ones and some really ugly ones mixed in there. Uh, he's durable. He's had those, he had those weird pectoral things early in his career in Atlanta, but, you know, generally since then, he's been a pretty durable guy. So he's not going to Oklahoma City to prove to people he can last an entire NBA season. He's going to Oklahoma City to prove that he's still good, that he would be a, a, a guy that it, uh, a good team would want to add despite a little bit of an ugly contract. So he doesn't need to play 80-90% of their games. Will he try to play in many of them? Yeah. Will he play in back-to-backs? I doubt it. It's just sort of no need to on a tanking team. If he turns an ankle, they going to bring him back in a week? Nah, they'll wait too. So all those little things add up to a guy who, in a, in a perfect world, plays 72 games, but in this world, probably plays more like 56, if I had to guess. Because there's just no reason to play him all year. Why risk hurting your guy that you're going to probably try to move at the end of this season or even during it in a in a you know magical twist for OKC, although I don't know that I see that one coming necessarily. So uh, grade it out accordingly, where he may get in there and put up top 60 per game numbers, which is sweet, but in a head-to-head league, he ain't playing down the stretch. He's missing a bunch of games here and there. That's a tough guy to have. Roto, much easier, which is why he probably lands on a D-bombs type of thing. But just understand that even at a top 60 per game clip, if you're missing, you know, what ends up being 25% of your team's games, you're going to be behind that mark by totals. Just be ready for that. 
All right? Still love him here. Still love him in the late 90s, but know that he's going to miss time. Derek White, also here in the uh, mid-90s, although he did have a minor toe surgery, we found out yesterday. Or was that the day before? So he missed the beginning of training camp. Hopefully he's back in there for the start of the season. We'll kind of wait and find out. I mean, the shame of it here is that Derek White was one of the guys that I, I did kind of want to target this season. Um, but we also have a rule on this show where if you're hurt to start the year, we try not to draft you. <laughs> so, you know, he's uh, he's going later in some nine-category formats, which is uh, a little bit crazy. I mean, the fact that he's in the 90s, is uh is much closer um i want a little bit more information here i right now i'm still i i'm still looking at him because i the upside is is through the roof but if he's coming into the season hurt i just i don't know how you how you swing like that i don't know how you take that chance because then a bunch of things kind of need to go right jared allen at 99 you guys know my feelings on this one i i, I think they're gonna try to ram DeAndre Jordan into the starting lineup in Brooklyn and Jared Allen's going to be trying to do his stuff uh off the bench. We'll see. I mean maybe maybe egos get set aside, but it didn't look that way last year when the Nets were in sort of play the young guy mode and then the old guys even that weren't on the floor threw a temper tantrum cuz DeAndre wasn't starting. So we shall see. Um you know Jared Allen did pretty well in only 26 minutes a game last year. Uh but I could see that number going down this season. So that one worries me a little bit. The fact that he's going near 100 makes him a guy worth potentially exploring just because this is so damn late after the dude went uh, pretty early last year. Wasn't he going like in the 60s? Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. The writing was sort of on the wall late last year that Kyrie, KD, they they want their guy DeAndre in there until he... Come, gets completely outplayed like to a, a serious degree. And I don't know when that happens. Maybe it happens early. Maybe they figure it out quick, but I I wouldn't bank on it. Players have too much pride and they protect their own. And they're, you know, the Nets brass isn't going to cross up KD and Kyrie. Those guys are making a lot of the calls on this type of stuff. Duncan Robinson at pick 100. This one's a, this one's a layup. He was number 59 by totals last year. He's shown himself to be quite durable. The deep bubble run could put a tiny dent into it, but dude is young. He'll bounce back. He's number 87 by averages. He'll probably be somewhere in that range again this year. They they build around him. They they want his shooting on the floor. He's going to get his minutes. Um, you know, easy pick at 100. If you need three-pointers on, on good percentages, absolutely. Quick reminder for you guys to check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. Use promo code HOOPBALL20 to get the lawnmower 3.0. They're waterproof, skin-safe technology with a built-in LED. It lights you up as it's trimming you. They've also got the weed whacker for ear and nose hair and the shears. Oh, yes, the luxury nail kit. In addition, powders, lotions, oils, boxers, T-shirts. My wife wears the Manscaped T-shirt as a uh, a nightshirt because it's uh, gigantic. <laughs> the, one, the one we got here. Uh, it's quite large. I've used... Almost all of their products, they're great. They just make good stuff. This is the era of specialization. Remember, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use an example from my own life. 
I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Jerry's Deli. Many of you that are uh, Los Angeles folks or even West Coast folks, you probably know it. It's a, it's a delicatessen that has about uh, 1,400 things on their menu. The, and, and mind you, like, it's fine. Everything is fine there. But you can't serve that many things and expect them all to be good. You just can't. So a lot of restaurants nowadays, they make like four things. And they make them great. And that's what Manscaped is for grooming. Manscaped.com is the website. Hoopball20 is the promo code for 20% off and free shipping on your order. Check them out today. And of course, guys, I hope you made a buttload of money with our, with us over at mybookie.ag. I bring it up because yesterday, the last of our odds boost Friday wagers finally uh, cashed, which was, of course, Ben Roethlisberger to throw for 100 yards. It was the easiest bet of the week, provided the game actually happened, which it finally did. So I'll put an extra 10 bucks in our account. Uh, over the course of Odds Boost weekend, I think I made about $220, which is sweet. And I missed on the Thursday game. So some of you guys might have made, you know, 470 bucks, depending on how you were betting middles um, and the uh, risk-free game. So if you made 470 bucks, awesome. So excited for us. We're going to be doing... Uh, little things, you know, follow our guys over at Hoopball Gaming. They've got the wager pass, a unit here, a unit there. Build the bankroll slowly. We'll wait for our next odds boost opportunity to make a, a giant push. But do join us. Do join us. Because if you didn't, you missed $470, which is crazy. That's so easy. You know, deposited 250 make 470 Take your 250 back out. Just play with the house money. Or take... 255 out and go get the fantasy pass for 499 but anyway mybookie.ag is the website promo code is hoopball it's great we're rolling along man i'm sure they'll have something for the nba here coming up what a great place to bet we love them awesome partner sign up now we have officially cleared the first 100 and so now it's kind of uh lightning round time on the podcast um i do have thoughts on a lot of these guys but i want to move somewhat quicker and I want to get through, let's see if I can do 50 names in 10 minutes here. And then we'll wrap things up on today's show and start to steer towards tomorrow. We'll talk about Yahoo's projections as opposed to their ADPs and what that might mean for things. We'll also talk to Brewski tomorrow. Uh, we'll begin talking about mock draft results. It's going to be it's going to be a hoot nanny, a real wing ding. Okay, I'm not going to list the numbers. I'm just going to go through them name by name. Michael Porter Jr. is the first one here. So again, we're starting at 101. And I'm going to move it quickly. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., surprised he's not going earlier. After the big bubble he put up, there is apparently less belief in his game than I expected. I'm actually totally fine with taking him here outside the top 100. I was worried he was going to be more like a uh, like a Christian Wood who was going to be going at 50, and that was going to wipe everything out. Um, you know, going going near 100 is, is mind-boggling because they will get him... They will get him out on the floor. They're going to need his scoring if Jamal Murray and Jokic are tired in any way. And uh, Michael Green's not going to take all of his minutes. LaMelo Ball, uh, the fact that he's at 102 is is in, 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 is uh, weird, actually. I thought he would have gone earlier, but I'm not touching a rookie. Davis Bertans at 103. Um, I actually like him, actually, uh, alongside Westbrook. Russ loves to just kick and watch somebody fire. That's fine for Davis. This is, you know... Uh, like I, I thought with Wall coming back, it was going to be weird on the, um, the chemistry front. 
Davis was 62 last year. He probably takes a tiny step back this season on a per-game basis, but probably be a little bit better than this. I'm not going fast enough. This is a bad lightning round. Kevin Herter at 104. No, thank you. Serge Baca at 105. Yeah, I'm good with that. He's going to play a lot of front court minutes for the Clippers. Um, largely, I mean, he probably starts over Avica Zubats, but even if he doesn't, he's going to get more minutes than Zubats. He'll, he slides mostly into the Montrez Harrell minutes. Bogdan Bogdanovich in Atlanta, I'm not all that interested in him. I think there's too much going on there. Terry Rozier in Charlotte at 107. He'll probably beat that mark, so that's a, a decent grab there after 100. Kobe White in Chicago worries me. He's a high-usage guy, did his damage when he was chucking up shots. I think they're going to be trying to win, so they're not going to be as freewheeling this year, so probably passing on Kobe White. Evan Fournier at 109. Uh layup put him in the layup department he'll beat that mark with his eyes closed josh richardson at 110 he'll be better in dallas than he was in philly but his game has devolved in a weird way i'm willing to take a shot on him here at 110 mostly because the other names on the board at this point are just not all that fun uh but i'm not super excited about him in the way that the guy right before him evan fournier you know, he'll just walk into a win on that one richardson it's going to be a little bit of a battle for a win but i think he does get one Cam Reddish at 111, uh, probably not. Wiseman, James Wiseman at 112. Who's that? <laughs> That's a joke I'm going to make about rookies from now until the end of time, so get used to it. Marvin Bagley at 113, yeah, he probably beats this number, but I'm not a huge fan of his fantasy stat set yet. Still, if you need a center at this point, he's one of the best ones left on the board. JaVale McGee, who will uh, see limited minutes in Cleveland, no thank you. Dwight Howard, Limited minutes in Philadelphia until Joel Embiid goes down. He's really more of a handcuff replacement type guy. Derek Favors, um, no upside. He might beat this mark, but there's no upside there. Miles Bridges, no thanks. His game needs to evolve. Boyan Bogdanovich, we found out he's probably going to be hurt to start the year, which means that I'm probably not going to draft him. You know, coming off a big injury, uh, it's wrist, so at least he's conditioned, but I'll pass. There's just sort of no reason to, you know? There's no reason to. There's plenty of guys out there to draft. Tyrese Halliburton in Sacramento, rookie. Who's that? Larry Nance Jr. I've lost track of what number we're at now, but I actually love him as a pick here. Pretty much any place after the top 100. Cleveland showed they were willing to play him at small forward last year, and he is the third big man behind Drummond and Kevin Love, neither of whom is probably going to be playing more than 32 minutes a game, which means you take the remaining 32 minutes at power forward and center, and you can give a lot of that to Larry Nance Jr. He is a fantasy gold mine going in the 115-120 range. I will take that. DeMarcus Cousins right behind him. I'm actually okay with Boogie in this range because he can put up Steph very fast. I just, you know, the question is, is he worth rostering all year or are you going to be plugging him in in kind of fits and starts? I think he's worth a flyer at this point just in case they're like, oh, here, go ahead, play 25 minutes. Because if he plays 25 minutes, he'll do something. You know, he'll beat, he'll beat this in 25 minutes. He's going to miss a bunch of games. I would assume he'll be on a, a, a plan to keep him healthy. You might not even want to start him at the beginning of the year if they are ramping his minutes up. But I think there will be some stretches this season where Boogie gets going for 25, 26 minutes a night and uh, and does have those, you know, top 50 type two, three weeks run. So somebody to consider here at the end of the draft, just knowing you're probably not going to use him for every game all season long. KCP, I'll pass. Norman Powell, I will not pass. He's going to be good this year, 
not great. They have, you know, the 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 guard logjam is more significant than the big man situation. Like there's there's big man stuff to go around in Toronto, but he's gonna play. You know, he's he's the backup to Lowry, he's the backup to Van Vliet. And he'll soak up every one of those minutes that they don't play. I, I I think he probably goes top 75, top 85 range. And so the fact that he's way back here makes him, uh, I think, a pretty damn easy grab. Uh, where the hell did we leave off? Joe Ingles, uh, he faded. He really did. He faded into the background with all the other names in Utah. Seth Curry, he'll be okay in Philly, but minimal upside. Just not an interesting pick. At this point, when there are still some left, Rui Hachimura, that's kind of interesting. Not a great fantasy stat set. DeAndre Hunter, no. Dennis Schroeder, I think he'll be okay, but his role is going to be smaller this year. Um, but he's going to lead the second unit. You know, he's going to be the ball handler anytime LeBron is resting, either in the game or even taking a night off. So there will be some big ones blended in. Schroeder's probably worth a look. Maybe not at this point. His ADP here listed is 120, although I think we're past that now. Again, a few guys I would take before him, but he's not a guy I'm writing off. A lot of these guys were uh, that I'm mentioning here in this lightning round, I'm just not touching. I'm not interested in them. Schroeder, I am just a little bit later, if that makes sense. Um, because last year he, you know, he was cakewalked into value. This year he's going to be, he'll be back of that, but I think he'll do something. Isaac Okoro, nah. Colin Sexton, yeah, sure. I don't know why he's this late, honestly. Will Barton, same thing. I don't know why he's this late. Those guys were both pretty good last year. Justin Holliday, uh, super boring nine-category guy, but he'll be all right. Markel Fultz, probably worth a flyer since he is going to be running that offense, and maybe his fantasy game does move forward a tiny bit. P.J. Washington, we found out from the interwebs that the uh, Hornets are planning to use him at center from time to time, which would be good for his fantasy value, which needs help. So I'm probably not going that direction. Um, but again, worth an exploratory pick. Not here. I mean, we're we're like in 11th, 12th round territory. He's more like last round for me. Mo Bamba, I'll pass. Uh, Okongwu, am I getting that right? Um, nope. Rook, right? Rookie, I'll pass. Uh, Jeremy Grant, I'm in. Count me in. He's uh, he's still listed in Denver on the Yahoo website, which means maybe his contract isn't officially signed yet, but he's a piston, and he'll get plenty of playing time there. In fact, it sounds like he went there because he wanted to play more. So I'll put him inside the top 100, meaning uh, if you're getting drafted back here, then you're worth a look. Marquise Chris, he, he was fantastic for Golden State late last year. Um, I don't know that they're just going to give him the center job this season when they're now trying to win. It's a possibility and a guy you might think about grabbing in the last round, but probably not here if we're before the last round, not when there are guys that have a better path to stuff. Carmelo Anthony, pass. Joe Harris, pass. Aaron Holiday, pass. Eric Pascal, pass. Terrence Ross, gimme. I'll take it. He was great last year when Orlando went to an up-tempo offense. He'll go top 100 this year. He always does. Like We, we know what Terrence Ross is at this point. He's around the top 100. He'll he'll cream uh, in ADP in the 130, 140 range. Will it be good enough to start him every game? Eh, it's questionable. But maybe he does. Maybe he keeps the usage going. Maybe he keeps his foot on the gas as per late last season. I think he could actually beat a lot of the projections. R.J. Barrett, pass. Jordan Clarkson, pass. 
uh, you know, he might compile stats. Brew talks about this show about guys that can compile stats, uh, which means not very good, but plays in most games. So, nah. Daniel Tice, yeah, sure, I'll take a shot on that. Um, you know, he, he underwent a knee procedure in October. He's expected to be ready to start the season. Of course, the big fear there is how much does Tristan Thompson take away from him? And the answer is some, unfortunately. I was very high on him. Thompson signing puts a dent into that, but I'll still take him here. Ivica Zubats, eh, with surge around, that's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. No upside, really, with Zoo. He'll be he'll be okay. He's going to play his, like, 20 minutes a game again this year. Goran Dragic, Marcus Gasol, and Cam Johnson are the last three names on this, uh, this 101 to 150 range, and I'm probably not drafting any of those guys. Very fast here on the next page. I'm not even going to go through all the names. I'm just going to pick out a few almost at random as guys that are somewhat interesting for you to at least keep in your crosshairs. Uh, J.J. Redick will go in and out of doing stuff. Chris Boucher might have an opportunity to do a little bit of stuff. Malik Beasley, some small opportunity there. Um, Maxi Kleba, he'll be a, a late-round type of stuff, especially with Porzingis likely to miss a little bit of time. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, he'll probably beat his ADP just because I think they're going to shoehorn him into their roster. Derek Rose, you can throw him on your list as well. And uh, Alfred Payton, Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, these are the guys that are late. They're like these guys are not going to blow anybody away, but they're they're out there. And if you're looking for guys that are super late, but we'll do more of a deep dive on kind of the super late guys here coming up, maybe tomorrow or maybe next week, depending on uh, how the the fates align here. So that'll be where we put a, uh, a an endpoint. That's not a pin in it. We finished up Yahoo ADP analysis. It was a five show barrage. I hope you enjoyed it. Please, again, do leave a five-star review on the podcast on your Apple-branded mobile device or in iTunes. Hit me up at Dan Bespers on Twitter if you want to be a part of HoopBall, if you want to get in our leagues, which are very close to full now. We got a bunch of people that wrote in over the last couple of days, so really just a handful of slots left. Uh, Manscaped.com, promo code is HoopBall20. MyBookie.ag, promo code is HoopBall. And most importantly, get your fantasy pass today, $4.99 a month. Get that Brewski 150. It's been updated. It's got ADPs and plus minus stuff logged in. Uh, he actually went 200 deep, I think, this year, if I'm not mistaken. So you guys can all get in that now. Fantasy Pass. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. I'm Dan Baspers. This was Fantasy NBA Today. A hoop ball presentation. Talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.